Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promo rate for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Big stories, big guests, the big picture. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge. Weekdays 1230 to 3, 770 CHQR. When it comes to violence, I mean, there's a real spectrum, obviously. There's, uh, you know, the hockey fight versus the, the serial killer. But certainly, you know, you can look throughout human history and we, we see violence and we see violence primarily, not exclusively, but primarily from, from men. I mean, are, are men hardwired to some extent to, to be violent or to resort to violence? Is there something about the, the psychology of the human male that, that lends itself to that? Or in society, do we do we glorify violence? Do we associate violence with with masculinity? Uh, These are some of the issues explored in a fascinating new book, which is called Mad Blood Stirring, The Inner Lives of Violent Men. And joining us uh, in studio to talk uh, about his book is the author Damon Fairless joins us. Damon, great to have you with us here. Welcome to the program. Appreciate it. You know, I mean, it's a fascinating book uh, at a scientific level uh, about why men are the way they are and the exploration of, of violence and uh, a whole lot of other issues. But it's also kind of a, a personal journey for you. Talk about kind of that, that path to writing this book and what it meant to you. Yeah, it's super personal. And, you know, I didn't I didn't set out to do that. I started writing a book. You know, I, I had been in this fight on this, the subway. I start with that in the book. I headbutted a guy. I've done a few things like this. Yeah. But, you know, I was thinking these are little anecdotes I'll pepper the story with. Uh, but, you know, I was really interested in the, the science looking at the deep roots of these kind of aggressive behaviors. But then at some point, you know, when you're writing a book with any, I think any big project, you have to ask yourself, like, well, why am I interested in this? And yeah. the, the topic kind of turned around and bit me in the tail. And uh, I realized, hey, you know, I guess I think I'm trying to figure myself out because I think what I wasn't really aware of is how strong these emotions are. Like when I've been in these fights, like that subway incident where I was headbutting the guy, like my, I, I change. I go from being the sure. guy who's in front of you now, this rational, nice, calm, civilized, lovely human being, I like to think, mm-hmm. to being someone who wants to smash a guy. And that's a big change. And I think we need to, I, I needed to understand that about myself. Do you think a lot of men are that way? Yeah, I mean, I have no way of putting like a figure on it, but yeah, I think a lot of guys are that way. And I think, I mean, the more, like, I'm, I mean, I know they are, but I think it's a continuum. I think that there are people who just never have these feelings or almost never have these feelings or they have faint feelings. I think there are guys who are on the other extreme who are, you know, crazy sociopaths. Right. But I would say by and large, I think that most men and I think a lot of women too can understand these feelings. I mean, that's this is what, road rage is about this is what domestic violence is about this is what fights are about we see these these are the most like the worst manifestations of these emotions but the emotions underlying that is like the that big part of the iceberg you never see they're there Mm -hmm. i think i could be wrong but i think they're there i think they're a big part of our inner lives and i think that we don't really talk much about them well, we seem to be, at least if we want to go by statistics, becoming less violent as a society. Mm-hmm. But 
it hasn't gone away either, obviously. Yeah. I mean, there, there are some things that, that maybe are, are a lot deeper than, than the trends from generation to generation. Yeah, I mean, and I, th I think that's super interesting because I think we have, you know, disc, you know, if you put aside major, you know, military strikes, you know, wars are probably more deadly in some ways than they ever were just because of the technology and stuff. But in terms of like getting in a street fight, getting killed on the street on a altercation with another guy, that's gone way down. And, and there's, there's a really interesting book by Steven Pinker that kind of talks mm -hmm. about how we think the world is more dangerous than, than ever, but it's actually probably more safer day to day for most civilian people. Yeah. And, and I, I tend to think that has a lot to do with, you know, we create a strong economy. We have an infrastructure in our society. We have, you know, rules of engagement and civilization. And those things do a lot to mitigate these emotions, right? Like you might sit in your car and think, oh, I'd like to smash that guy in the face for cutting me off, but you don't for a whole right. bunch of reasons. You know, one of them, he'll be put in jail and you know that, right? Yeah. <laughs> but, but also, you know, when, you know, you and I, we didn't wake up starving this morning and say, I'm going to, I'm going to steal food or kill someone to get fed. Right. I mean, th I mean, that's what civilization is mm -hmm. really right. When it comes down to it. And I think that, that those civilizing uh, factors do a lot to mitigate these emotions. But if we're not aware of those emotions, they, they can sneak up on you, you know. Right. And, and you talk about continuum, and there's kind of a continuum of these stories in the book. And, I mean, it starts with your own uh, of getting in a, a fight on a subway and the, the circumstance that led to that. You, you talk about people who fight for a living, who fight because they like it, who, who plan to fight at a certain yeah, yeah. time. Uh, and then it goes on from there, obviously, people who, who do heinous things, incredibly violent acts, rape or murder. But if you go back to, to that, that other end of it, where you know, people who are willing to fight or mm. people who seek out to fight, do we still glorify the words? I mean, that, that seems to be the, the sign of the alpha male. Uh, a mm. macho guy is yeah. one who's capable of fighting. Yeah, I mean, I think it still is. And I mean, I think there's a lot of really interesting reasons for that. I don't pretend to know them all, but I guess part of the reason I was interested in talking about fighters, like professional fighters, friends of mine who fight. Mm -hmm. And I've kind of dabbled in that world enough to know, know it intimately, but not at the level that they've done. And so, you know, I think that one of the really interesting things I, I found is like in MMA gyms, mixed martial arts gyms, you know, the kind of fighting you see on UFC, a lot of those gyms are populated by guys like us, mi middle class, w well-educated, often white dudes, yeah. guys who traditionally haven't needed to fight. You know, in, in not long ago, f fight gyms, boxing gyms were dominated by, you know, people who were, uh, you know, a lot of black people, a lot of people who had no economic you know, status or privilege. Right. Yeah. And fighting was a way out of this institutionalized racist, you know, environment they were in, right? They fought to come out of that. Guys are going into fighting for different reasons these days. And I think part of it is that a lot of these guys are looking for, you know, and, and misguided or not, looking to own that sense of manhood that fighting brings to guys. I'm not saying that that's a right thing, but I can definitely say that for that's the motivation for a lot of the guys going into fighting. So it is, is kind of like I don't know, the signifier, the gold standard of a, of a lot of guys' sense of being a man. Right. And, yeah, I mean, there. I think there are those who have argued that there's almost a, a crisis of masculinity, mm -hmm. that what does it mean to be a man as we become more civilized and, and tame some of these other instincts? Uh, how, do you, how do you establish masculinity, and what does that mean in the 21st century? 
Yeah, I mean, you're asking a, a question I wish I had an answer to. I, I guess, you know, I've never, I've never had uh, a huge struggle with that. I feel pretty confident in my manhood. But I will say that, I mean, I think where, where, I, where I had trouble is understanding that one of, the, one of the satisfactions that I get out of being a man is throwing my weight around, yeah. do, being physically dominant. Now, I, can, I, I was doing a lot of justifying of that by saying, well, you know, I'm, interv I'm intervening. I'm getting in fights with guys who are bullies and need to be taken down a notch. And there's some element of truth to that. I've never gone out and picked a fight just to fight. I've always gotten in a fight because there was a guy who was bullying someone. Mm -hmm. So there's an element of truth to that. But the fact is, is what I was doing is looking for a reasonable excuse to get into a fight because I also found some satisfaction in indulging those emotions. So... You know, I, I mean, to some extent, I've, I kind of came through that and realized, oh, you know, I guess I was doing that to kind of make my – I wasn't actively saying, like, I need to feel like a man. I'm going to do this. I just – I genuinely think that the draw to that impulse is a fairly inherent part for a lot of, of manhood for a lot of guys. For me, being a man now, after writing this book, after realizing that about myself, has a lot more to do with a kind of sense of mature ownership of those emotions. I'm not denying my desire to – dominator or to get into fights but what i'm rec saying is that i need to recognize that that can be an incredibly self-indulgent thing to do that if i really want to protect society as i thought i was doing by intervening with guys what i need to do is also be aware that i can be a destructive force like yeah. when i got on, on that fight in the subway it became a brawl someone could have had a knife they could have had a gun sure. and i was essentially being boyish in my desire to be physically dominant so now i don't on a subway I, uh, I carry money on me. And if there's a guy acting weird, I'll, I'll say, hey, man, here's, here's a 20. Let's get off, this, let's get off the yeah. subway. Let's get a drink. I can diffuse the situation. I can be mature. I can still be, uh, you know, a man. I can still be a, a presence. I can still, you know, have that authority. But it's constructive as opposed to self-indulgent and destructive. And, and part of this exploration, and I mean, you, you have your own family situation to talk about in the book. Uh, so there's your own upbringing, there's your own genetics, there's Western culture, there's Western media. There are all these things that, that may be culprits in, in how you act or how you feel or how, how anybody acts or feels that perhaps we're, we're pre-wired, hardwired to be this way anyway. So what, what do we attribute it to? Uh, you mean specifically what, the urge to fight? Or? Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess, you know, what I'd argue, as I argue in the book, is that I don't think, I don't think you can attribute it to any one thing. I think it's such a, like any, most human behavior is so complex that there's not a single cause for it. What I'm arguing is that if you, if you as I think we have traditionally done over the last, say, half century, say, it's all about socialization. Well, I mean, I agree with that, a, you know, a lot. Mm -hmm. Socialization is hugely important. And, you know, you do get things like, you know, frat houses, uh, to, you know, who basically are pro-rape. You yeah. do get, you know, racist uh, groups who want to <laughs> burn crosses. You right. do get these things from social, social mores, right? But then you also get people like me who were raised in a house by very pacifistic, non-aggressive people at some point wanted to bash a guy's head in with his forehead. So... I, I feel like we're doing ourselves a disservice if we're not also looking at the inherent emotions that drive aggression. Because those things can, you know, I, I talk about in the book, you know, you can get uh, 
groups of guys coalescing around a sports team that suddenly turn violent in sports riots that can, well, sure. you know, yeah. I mean, this, and I'm, there's nothing wrong with being a sports fan. There's nothing wrong with, you know, going for your team. I'm just saying that when you're not aware of the, of the deep lying inherent tendencies that we have as a, as a, as an animal, then it's hard to kind of control them when they come out from time to time uh, under specific conditions. So I, I tend to think, to answer your question in a really long-winded way, you got to understand the inherent parts of our of our emotional life, and you got to understand the environmental conditions under which they flare up. Right. So, what, what do you hope people take from this book? Uh, <clears throat> I wish I could say I, I was trying to write a prescription for violence. I, I was writing a book. For more or less to figure out myself. Mm -hmm. But I do think there's some takeaway in that every guy I talk to, I mean, like, you know, the pro-MMA fighters, the serial rapists, the serial killer even, they were extremely willing, and I think they, they had a, a need to talk about what made them tick. And I don't think that we tend to, when we ask guys to be more in charge of their emotions, we we ask them to be more aware of their kinder gentler side that's awesome but if we really want men to take charge of their more destructive side that potential that's there i think it's also important to look uh, and talk about these you know these inner life these fantasies that we have when we're in our car <laughs> and someone pisses us off right yeah um and so i guess what i'm what i'm hoping is that this book helps make it a little more straightforward for guys to be like, yeah, that's that, that's part of my inner life. I have that. I can identify with that. I can talk about that. If you talk about something, you can understand it. Because you know? we can aspire to be a less violent society, but not necessarily have to sacrifice masculinity in the process. Yeah, I, I don't think, I, I mean that, you know, I write in this book about a friend of mine, uh, Jeff Francis, who died in Afghanistan as a, as a, as a soldier there. Mm -hmm. He left academia. He joined the military. And he died in Afghanistan uh, from a roadside bomb. He, in a lot of ways, is uh, a hero. I mean, not just because he served in our military, but personally to me, he's a hero. He's someone I aspire to be more like yeah. because he was someone who he was he was a Buddhist. He meditated. He believed in and he believed in peacefulness, but he also believed in protecting, truly protecting other people, and putting himself in the in the, in the line of fire, so to speak. Right. I guess literally to protect people. And he was not a guy who would go out there and do the stupid stuff I was doing, getting in the kind of stupid fights I was doing to indulge myself. He was the quiet, professional guy who, I mean, he was a real man. Yeah. He was not a boy as I have been. He was a man. He said, this is my, this is my duty to protect these women and children and men who the Taliban is, uh, and Al Qaeda is, uh, you know, is repressing and killing and, and hunting down. Mm -hmm. I'm going to put myself in the line. So I don't, I don't think that you have to sacrifice masculinity uh, to be nonviolent. You know, he, he, you know, there's a lot of good protecting and nurturing and standing up for good. And it takes a lot of bravery and a lot of self-confidence, a lot of leadership to do that. It takes an especial amount to do it without uh, defaulting to the animal part of ourselves that wants to be violent. Yeah. Well, it's quite fascinating. The book is called Mad Blood Stirring, The Inner Lives of Violent Men. Damon, thanks so much for joining us here today. Really appreciate this. Thank you for having me. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, starting at 1230 on News Talk 770 Calgary.